But we know that right here in this room are many of you who have sacrificed your life and service for us. And if you are a veteran of war or if you are in active duty, would you please stand right now so all of us can give you an appreciation for your service to us. I tell you, man, every year, we, every year, it just hits me. I just really am extremely grateful for the life that you have lived to give us the freedom that we have today. Susie sent a, a quote out to some of us, my wife, this week. It said this, it is one thing to give. It is another to sacrifice. Sacrificial giving, when it costs us something, is different. And you guys, I want to tell you, man, when people sacrifice, <clears throat> there's an effect. All of us are in this room because of a sacrifice. We're here only for one reason. That's because Jesus Christ gave up his life, sacrificed his life. And the ripple effects, that's the new series we're talking about, the ripple effects that happen when anyone gives up their life for another. The fact that all of us are sitting here free is because people gave up their life for us. It is a ripple effect. And so when we talk about war, war is a matter of life or death. And so I was a social studies major, right? So you study war, you study history, and because of the ripple effects that come from that. Our, our, our whole lives change, worlds change, countries change, the ripple effect because of a war. So today, we're starting this series called Ripple Effect because there's another war. And it really is a matter of life and death. So if you were with us in the last couple of months, you're right, we spent seven weeks talking about heaven, looking at eternity. And as soon as you start thinking about eternity, you know there is a matter of life and death. But the truth is, when you read the Bible, when you look at what Jesus was teaching us, when you read what Paul was writing in the New Testament, the fact is, right now, like even today, there's life and death in this room. Many of you, we're all physically alive, but in our souls, there's actually life and death going on. And here's what's amazing, is that you and I, in this room, we actually have the power within us to bring life or death. And this is what I'm happening, but for this next four weeks as we go through these series, here's what I want you to know, because it's true. Every one of you has the power to literally change someone's life. And as soon as I say that, I know some of you are going, not me, man. I, I just, I don't have that impact. Yes, you do. And I hope you'll know that even after today. And understand, by the time we walk out these doors to have an understanding that your life and how you live it, you give life and you give death every day. And those have ripple effects way beyond you, even into eternity. So when I, when I think about a hero, right? I looked up the definition. A hero is someone who's remarkably brave, admired, and it's a long sandwich. I don't know why you... Okay, that was supposed to be funny. Um, 
you, you go through all these remarkable definitions of a hero, and then there's a long sandwich, you know? It gets thrown in there. I don't know why it was called that, but I guess people admire big, uh, big sub sandwiches. But when I, when I think of a hero, I think of someone who came to save the day. It's someone who gave it, they came and they saved the day. And so when I think about my life and the people who've actually changed the, traje the trajectory of my life, who impacted me, immediately there's two men who come to my mind. One is my brother-in-law, Bill Urey. And the other one is Steve Andrews, who's the lead pastor of the church back in Detroit. And when I think of, the reason I bring up both of these men is because both of them did the same thing. They actually spoke in to my life. They got close enough to me to actually really know me. And then they blessed me. They blessed me with vision. They could see things in me that I couldn't see about myself. They gave me like words of affirmation, totally believe, helping me to believe that I had something to offer. And I knew, and I still know today, I know that they would do anything to help me and to help my life and the vision that God has for me come to fruition. Bill and Steve have completely changed the trajectory of my life. And you know what's really true? Is there's no way that I'd be standing here today if it wasn't for those two men. There's no way. I can tell you this right now, K2 the church would not exist. It wouldn't exist if Bill and Steve hadn't spoke into my life and blessed me. That's what they did. So you guys need to know this. When you all get to heaven, right, you got to track down Bill Urey, right? And you're going to go, man, thank you so much. And he's going to be like, who are you, right? But all of us, this is what, you guys remember Dr. Mary Neal? In our, she was the, the doctor as we went through uh, the series on heaven. She talked about as she had her life review that in that uh, capacity, in that dimension where time is no, when you're not bound by time, she got to see how everything she did had ripple effects through generations and generations and generations. You have the power to change someone's life. Anybody want that? Do you want that? It's, it's crazy because it, all of a sudden it feels a little bit overwhelming. But it's true. And here's how I want to let you know it's true. When we talked about heaven, there were two things about Jesus that every person said. He is light and he is love. He is light and he is love. And what Jesus said was this. He said, your, he taught, when he taught us to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's what, how, how in the world, here's the beautiful thing. So, so we actually did this series because we studied the beauty of heaven where there's light, which always is equated with life, and there's love. But Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, man, pray that God would actually bring his kingdom down here now so that there can be light and love. So Jesus is light and love, but what did he say about you? What did he call you? He said, you are, say it with me, the light of the world. You have with inside you. Because Jesus Christ, as soon as you receive Christ, 
You become the light. That means you have the power to give life to other people. And it's incredible. And that's what I'm hoping that will happen in these next four weeks as we go through the series, all right? So let's pray together, and then let's jump in. Father, thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for the life that he has brought us. We thank you for the love that we can now even know what love is because of him giving up his life for us. But Jesus, we know this, man. You love the world. You love everyone in this room. You love everyone that we know. And your plan through Christ was to transform us, to fill us with your spirit so that through us, broken human beings, you can change people's lives. God, I'm just asking right now that you'd use these moments that we have Make your word alive and true. Help us to grasp this beautiful truth and help us to be co-laborers with you and bring in life and light and love to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's where we're going to go. For the next four weeks, we're going to talk about this word, blessing. Now, it's a word that's all over the Bible, um, but we don't actually use it very much in our day and age. But I was, uh, so I was reading uh, just my own personal time, First Chronicles, Old Testament book. And in it, David is getting near the end. He's actually bringing the Ark of the Covenant uh, into the tabernacle. He's, he's the new king, so he's brought all of Israel together. And he wants to celebrate the fact that he's bringing God's presence back into Israel. And when he gets done with this magnificent feat, and the whole country is there, it says, and then David blessed all the people. And then after he dismissed them, it says, and then David went home, and he blessed his family. So I'm reading that, and I'm going, well, what, what did he do? How, how did, what did that mean that he blessed all the people? And then when he went home, how did he bless his family? So I started looking up this word and, and diving into what the blessing actually means. And then I was reminded, there was a book by John Trent and Gary Smalley called The Blessing. It was written like 30 years ago or more. And so I pulled it off. I had it on my shelf, and I pulled it off. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is exactly what we need to talk about. After this whole series on heaven and eternity, we've got to figure out now, how can we pull the kingdom of God, everything that's right and beautiful, and start experiencing it now? How can we bring that to this planet? And one of the key ways we can do that is we've got to figure out how to bless each other. Okay, listen, look at this. This is the definition. It means to endow with beneficial power. So endow means I'm going to give you something, and when someone would bless somebody, and this is why I'm saying you have the power to change someone's life, in the Bible, when you bless somebody, it was always benefiting them, but somehow the blessing had a power in it. It goes on to say, it originally involved a self-contained, beneficial force which one could transmit to another and which stood in contrast to the destructive power of cursing. So in other words, human beings have the potential to endow with power, benefit, and blessing, or we have the power with a force to curse. So here's what it is. It's a word invested with power and an action ratifying it. 
A blessing always is spoken and it's followed up by action. Now, the blessing had its original setting in the context of a family. And we're going to see, it's, in the scripture, it started with the family. And I'm telling you, man, we're going to see this in the next few weeks, how absolutely essential it is that we experience the blessing in our family. Do you guys, there's an Old Testament story with Jacob and Esau, okay? Now, in the Old Testament, in the very beginning days, the, the father would always give a blessing to the firstborn son. And that's who would receive it. And it was such a big deal because the blessing, this power endowed to the firstborn son was always prophetic in nature. And the father would give this blessing, cast a future for him so that he had something to live for. And so Esau was the firstborn son. He was supposed to get the blessing, but his brother Jacob stole it from him. And it was a horrible event. You're going to see later here, Esau, he had missed out on the blessing. And so, and I want to tell you, you can see it today. This idea of blessing is not just Old Testament, it's happening right now. And here's how you can see it. The difference between someone who received the blessing from their mother and their father and from those who didn't. Some of you in this room, and I, and I can tell you this, as soon as I say that, some of you are sitting in here and you can feel it even right now because you know that your mom or your dad did not bless you. And there's still pain inside. Some of us, man, in our homes, we were close with our mom and dad. They knew us. They, they said words of high value to us. They envisioned a future for you, right? They helped you to see it, and they actively committed themselves to you experiencing that. And it was a blessing to you to be known, to be seen, to hear those words, and to be committed. I, I tell you, uh, Steve Andrews, this guy, this pastor that I worked with back in Detroit, I always describe Steve as the healthiest person I've ever known. He's the healthy, and you, know, why don't, you want to know why he's healthy? Because his dad loved him. His dad poured into him. His dad spoke words into him. His dad had a future for him. And his dad was constantly committed to him all the way till he was in his 80s. And because of that, there was a security that Steve had in his being. And I want to tell you, some of you in this room received that. But some of you, in your home, your mom and dad were very distant from you. They, some of your mom and dad, they never said one word to you positively. And for some of you, it's not that they didn't speak. Some of you heard plenty. And it was demeaning. It was harsh. It was abusive. Some of you grew up in homes and your mom and dad, no matter what you did, you could never do enough. And you never felt like you got your mom and dad's blessing. You never felt like the favor, that they had favor towards you. And no matter what you did, they could always see what you didn't do. And you never met their standard. And because of that, you've missed out on the blessing. And I want to tell you, in this room, here's what happens. We'll, we'll talk about it more in a little bit. But when you don't feel accepted, when you don't feel affirmed, when you don't feel valued, then you go try to find it in almost every human being. 
as searching in all these different ways to somehow prove I matter. And I want to tell you guys, every one of us in this room, you have the power to change someone's life. You have the power to let people know they matter. And it can change their whole trajectory. So, to understand what this blessing is, I'm going to pull out one verse from the Old Testament so that we can start to really grasp how powerful this is. All right? It's Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. It says this. This day... I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you. Now, there's two choices, okay? There's two choices that we all have. The first choice is this. God says, I'm going to set before you life or death. Your choice. And the second choice is, I'm going to set before you blessings or curses. And then look what he says. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. You guys don't miss that right there. Can I just, just, just remember? All God wants to do is give you life. He's light that brings life. He is love unlike any other love you've experienced. And everything that Jesus did, everything that God's about, he's not up there angry trying to condemn everybody. He loves you. He loves your children. He loves your marriage. And he wants to bless it. So your choice. But that's what's weird. Because it's all about love. God goes, your choice. Choose life. Choose death. Choose blessing. Or choose curse. So let's look at these words really quick. And I, a lot of this I got from John Trent. He was so intrigued by this idea of blessing, he actually got his doctorate just on this issue of blessing. So here's, here's the first word. You can choose life. Now there's much that we immediately understand about life. But here's, in his study, here's what he found. In the, in the, in the deeper meaning, the word life means the idea of movement. So if something's alive, it's actually moving, but it's always moving towards something. And so you understand that in relationship, right? When you move towards someone in your relationship, you actually get to the point where you can be one with each other. Oh, anybody ever experienced finally being one with somebody? And when you have this, man, it's the most life-giving thing to your soul. Now the word death also has the idea of movement. But you know what death means? It literally means to step away. To step away. And you know this in our relationships. When things aren't going the way that you want them to, what do you do? You pull away. And if you've been hurt in your relationships, what do you do? You put a wall up between you. You pull away. You put on a mask. Because you don't want anybody to see the real you because you're separate. And then what you're doing is you're actually separating yourself from the other human beings in your life. And the Bible says when you are separated, it's death to your soul. And you guys know this, man. When you're moving, if your marriage right now is on a good trajectory and you're coming together, it brings life and joy and peace. But when you're moving away from each other, it kills your heart. And your soul. In fact, what does the Bible say is ultimate death? It's separation from God. Remember, that's all hell's going to be. 
Hell is simply a place for people who said, I just don't want you, God, in my life. I want to be separated from you. Okay, that's death. So God says, here's what I'm offering you. Life. Move toward the person. Get into relationship. You can either do that or you can have death. You can separate from each other, separate from God, and it's death. So there's life and death. Now let's talk about the word blessing. Okay? Now, I did this in the first service, so I'm going to try to do it again. I need a few volunteers to come up here. All right? I need a parent and a child. Okay? I need a parent and a child. You guys up for it? Okay, cool. All right, you guys stand right up here. Very cool. Awesome. I need a husband and a wife. Up here? All right. Oh, Bray, yeah. Hey, this is Andrew and Ellie. They just got married yesterday. What are you guys even doing here? All right, congratulations. All right, Andrew and Ellie, why don't you guys get right here in the middle? Okay, and now I just need a couple of volunteers that I'm going to choose. Jason, come on up here. <laughs> Jason, you can be right here, and let me choose someone from this side. John, John Russell. Here, bud, come on up here. All right. Okay, make sure there's enough room here. All right, come on, John, stand over here by Jason. All right, now here's, why, here's where we go. I'm kidding. All right. All right. Okay. So here's what I need you to do. Okay. Dad, husband, and John. All right? <laughs> On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something. And here's what I want. Oh, go ahead and you'll have to let go of your hands. I know you're new, Lewis, but it's all right. So here's what I'm going to do. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something. And when I ask you to do it, I want all six of you to just pay really attention. Pay attention to how it feels. Okay? What happens inside you? All right? So you three. On the count of three. One, two, three. Kneel down before the other person. And the other person face them. How's this feel? A little weird. <laughs> a little weird. How's this feel? I don't know. I'm still kind of working through it. <laughs> kind of an unusual position, but kind of right at the same time. Unusual, but kind of right. Mm -hmm. Awesome. That's cool. Ellie, how's this feel? Safe. Safe? Secure. Wow. I love it in the first service, the wife said, good. <laughs> How's it feel, Andrew? Uh, it feels how it's supposed to feel. <laughs> All right. And how's that? <laughs> I don't know. Like, this is the way it's supposed to be. It feels good. <laughs> All right. Guys, you hear that? Jason, how, same, how's this feel? Same, same thing he said. No, it's just a little <laughs> awkward, yeah. A little awkward, yeah. Feels awkward? Yeah. John, how's it feel? Yeah, a little awkward. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got awkward, the way it's supposed to feel, something weird, but something right. Okay, thanks, you guys. Go ahead and have a seat. You guys give them applause for, for joining me. Yeah, that, that cracked me up when the, when the, in the first service when the wife said, this is good. I, I like this. So here's where we're going with this. The word bless. Power to bless somebody. Guess what the word means? It means to kneel. 
it means to bow. Anytime a human being gets down and bows down to another, there's a blessing that takes place. Now here's what's interesting. In that culture, the only time you got on your knees and bowed down was when someone of high position walked in the room. Right? So if a king walked in the room, it was immediately you bow down because what are you saying? You are highly esteemed. You are valuable. You matter. So when anybody of importance would walk in, you would go down. And so what the Bible is telling us that what you and I have the power to do is to actually get on the knees and lift somebody else up. And when you lift someone else and you say, you are important, you are highly esteemed, you actually bless them. There's another word in the Bible and it's very close to this and it's the word honor. What you're doing is you're honoring someone. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, puts it this way. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another, what's it say? Above yourself. So you guys, in, in, in this word, the word honor, it literally meant to add weight or value to something or someone. So in that day and age, if you had a coin, the only way you really knew how valuable your coin was is you had to put it on a scale. And then the weight of your coin is actually told you how valuable it was. And so this word of honor meant I'm adding weight to you. I am adding value to you. I'm honoring you. You are of such value to me that I choose to add to your life. And I want to tell you guys, this power is within every one of us because every one of us, by the power of God inside of us, can consider somebody else of higher value than ourselves. And every human being is longing to know that they matter. And I want to tell you, this was such a huge issue that when Esau, right, when he didn't get the blessing from his father, look at this in Genesis chapter 27, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and he said to his father, bless me, me too, father. And I know, man, in this room, some of you, that's been your cry because you've never felt valuable. You've never felt esteemed. You've never had anybody bow down and lift you up and say, you are important to me. Now this is fascinating. This is what the word curse means. Because what did he say? You have a choice. Listen to me. All you parents in this room, you have a choice to bless your children or to curse them. Husbands, you have a choice to bless your wife or to curse her. Wives, you can bless your husband or you can curse him. Church, in this room, we can bless each other or we can curse each other. And it's within every one of you. 
to do one or the other. Now, here's what's fascinating about the word curse. The word means to slight. To slight. Do you know what that word means? This is so fun to watch this, to, to dig this up. To slight, if it's slight, if something is slight, it's small in degree. It's insignificant. It's not profound or substantial. It's somewhat trivial or superficial. It's inconsiderable. Instead of being considered, it's inconsiderable. It's unimportant. And what God has been revealing to us is when you treat anyone in a way that is slighting them, that makes them feel smaller in degree, insignificant, not substantial, somewhat trivial, superficial, or unimportant, you actually curse them. That's the curse. And that's why all of us have the power to change somebody's life for good or for evil. Now, this is what's amazing to me. Literally, the word means a trickle or a muddy stream. So if you lived in the desert, right? Like this, this, all these people were desert people. You absolutely were relying on a source of water. And when you would show up, if there was no water, it was what? A matter of life and death. So when you showed up and there was just a trickle or there was just a muddy stream, you knew you were in trouble. It was called a curse because it was slight. And you know why there was a muddy stream? Do you know why there was only a trickle? Because there was a dam. Something was stopping the water from flowing down. Listen, man, the absence or reversal of a blessed or rightful state and lowering someone to a lesser state is a curse. This is interesting. This is what dishonor means. It means a perception of a person that is lower than the appropriate, than what is appropriate for their social position. You dishonor somebody when your perception of them is lower than appropriate. So parents, how do you treat your kids? Do you stand over them? Do they feel small? Do they feel insignificant? Do they feel devalued? Husbands, how does your wife feel? Does she feel like you're up here seeing what she's not being? Wives, does your husband know that you find every little thing that he's ever done wrong? And does he feel small and insignificant? Does she feel devalued? Or are they the ones underneath? Do you actually feel like it was so great in the first service as well? The mom and the daughter, they were both a little more grown. And when I asked the daughter, how does this feel? Because her mom was down here. She goes, this is so wrong. She goes, I should be the one down here because she does so much for me. I'm like, no, no, that's the point. The reason you feel so loved by your mom is because she lives like this. She lived like this for 25 years and now you feel loved. You guys, we have the power to secure people, to affirm them, to build them up, to let them know they matter instead of demeaning people and diminishing them. Your choice, blessing or curse. And you know what's so cool? Is what does Jesus do? Jesus comes, you guys, and he blows apart all the dams. 
that inhibit the living water from flowing. Jesus, God, wants to bless every one of you in this room. That's why he came and died. That's why when he was in heaven in all of his glory, he didn't consider that he wanted to come down and sacrifice his life for you so that you would know that you matter. You're valuable. You're important. One of the greatest stories of this is in John chapter 4. Jesus ran into a woman. It's called the woman at the well, the story. Now think about this woman. How does she feel about herself? Number one, she comes up here and she's a woman. And women don't talk to men. They don't have the same soul. Back there 2,000 years ago, they weren't at the same level. She was a Samaritan. And there was huge prejudice. Jews didn't talk to Samaritans. She's got two strikes again. She's a woman and she's a Samaritan. She also showed up in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, it says. You know why? Because all the women in that culture showed up early in the morning when it was still cool. But she didn't want to be around all the other women because she was an outcast. She had already had five husbands and she was on the sixth guy and he, and he wasn't her husband. So she was isolated. She had no status whatsoever. But she ran into who? She ran into Jesus. And Jesus meets with her and he talks with her and he loves her. And he gets down underneath her and he says, Oh, I have water for you to drink. Look at what he says in John chapter 4. He says, everyone who drinks this water, talking about the physical water, will be thirsty again. But listen to what Jesus says. If you drink the water I give you, you will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He wants to bless her. I love, you know what she said? Sir, please give me some of that water. And here's what I want to tell you. This is so beautiful. Deuteronomy 23, there was a time where this man wanted to curse the Israelites and it says, however, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but he turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. God can take every curse Every person, I don't care if it was your mom or your dad or a coach or a teacher or a boss or a bully at school. He can take every person who diminished you, who brought you lower in position than rightfully what is yours, and he can take that curse and turn it into a blessing because he loves you. But here's what's crazy. God almost always does it through a person. Through you and me. We have the power. He is the light of the world. But then he looks at us and says, now you are the light of the world. Let your good works shine. Be like a city on a hill. Change the world, you guys impact somebody's life. Look at this. Proverbs 18.21 tells us very clearly. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And all of us in this room have had somebody 
who spoke to us, who saw something in us, who affirmed us, who gave us high value, who pictured a future for us, and then they actively committed to help make it happen, and it changed you. And many of you are where you are, just like me. I am where I am because of the people who were a blessing to me. And all of us in this room have had somebody demean you, somebody shame you, Somebody condemn you. Somebody only see everything that you didn't do and point out every time you didn't meet that standard and you feel so diminished and in your soul, you feel dead. The consequences are real, you guys. They're very real. Almost all of us in this room, what are we doing? What are we doing? We are searching for our value. One of the most important books I ever were read was The Search for Significance. Why is that book written? Because almost all of us missed out somehow on the blessing. So now we're searching for our significance. We're searching for esteem, right? We need esteem, which means respect and admiration. So everybody in America, we strive to be something. There's so much pressure that you feel every day. You got fear and anxiety when you wake up because you got to perform or you need the right position or you got to have the right possessions or your physique better look good enough or your face better be beautiful enough because you need to know you matter. You're on this rat race. And God says, let's stop it. Let's bless each other. Let's bless each other. Man, self-protection Withdraw relationships. Why did we walk in here with so many masks on? Because we're at church, right? <laughs> so I have to act like I got everything together. I put up walls with people because I've been so hurt. You guys, the consequence of your soul, life, or death is in the blessing or the curse. But the benefits are off this world. Off the charts, man. When someone is blessed, you know what happens? They actually know that they matter. They feel value inside. And so you know what? They can have healthy relationships. They're not scared of what somebody else thinks. They don't need any other person to give them their esteem. They know they matter. That's what the blessing does. And then, here's the other cool thing. When you bless somebody, it literally can lay the foundation for them to come to faith in Christ. Why? Because if you are the light of the world, and if you're loving somebody, that is so life-giving that then when that person eventually hears about Jesus, they run into the one who's really the light of the world. They run into love, and they're like, I want that. You guys, every time we bless somebody, we begin to lay a foundation for them to receive life. And lastly, it can heal the wounds that all of us in this room have. We can actually heal each other's wounds. So here's how I want to close today, all right? First of all, if you're a parent today, would you go ahead and stand up? Every one of you who's a parent. Okay, and here's what I want to do. If your kids are in here with the room with you, would you just lay your hand on your kids? Okay? Just lay a hand on your kids. Listen. There, listen, and, and by the way, I don't care if you're 81, if you still have kids. I'm 51, my dad's 81. His blessing still affects me. But I'm going to tell you, all of you who have children still in your home, the most powerful thing you will ever do. Talk about the power to change someone's life. 
You are setting your children on the trajectory of their life right now. With blessing or with curse. High esteeming them or diminishing them. Okay, let me just pray. So I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray for every mom and dad in this room. And I ask over the next three weeks that you would equip every one of us to be a blessing to our children. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with all the love and the light that we need from you so that our children will know, they will know they matter. So God, for every parent who's struggling with this right now, I just pray that you would be so sweet to them. Give them encouragement right now, conviction and encouragement. Just say, I can change the way you're treating your kid. I can, I can. I can give you love and light to bless. And I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, I'd love for all of you who are married to stand up. I know, go ahead and if you're married, stand up. I know this is getting a little Catholic, but that's okay. Okay, if you're married, I want you to grab the hand of your spouse if they're actually sitting next to you. Okay, put your arm around them, do whatever you want. Hey guys, how you doing? Are you blessing your wife? Like Andrew and Ellie, they said it right. This just feels right because it is. Women, how you doing? Wives, how you doing? Does your husband feel esteemed? Does he feel believed in? Does he feel respected? Or are you seeing every little thing he does wrong? You and I, right here, we have the power, the power to bless or to curse these marriages. And Jesus can give you exactly what you need to make them fantastic, okay? So let me pray for you real quick. Father, move these couples toward each other. That's life. I ask that you would, for those that have been going apart and experiencing the sorrow and the emptiness in their marriages, I pray that you would come and restore them. Jesus, you are life. You are light. You are love. And you can bless. And I just ask God in these next few weeks as well that you will help every couple in this room to get tighter, closer, that there be life exuding streams of water flowing in their marriages. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Here's what's cool. Okay? I, I, I'm sure some of you are, are still trying to figure out Christianity, but here's what's cool. If you're a Christian in this room, then you are somebody who's received Christ, and Christ is the light of the world. And here's the truth. There's not a soul in this room that isn't damaged. There's not a person in this room who isn't wounded. There's not one of us who freely feels like we can just take off our mask, throw down our walls, and be who we are. Because we've missed out on the blessing. And you know what the church is supposed to be? The church, God created this fantastic idea to fill people with his love and then to, so that we can offer it to each other. That there could be healing in this place. That's why Jesus prayed that the church would become one because if we move toward each other and get grace and truth from each other, 
That's life. And he says, this would be so beautiful if you guys would be a blessing to each other that the whole rest of the world would go, how do you do that? I need that. Because they do. So man, let's pray. God, I pray for K2. I ask in the name of Jesus, God, would you do something in this church in these next few weeks where we would look to bless each other, where we would look to esteem one another, where we'd look to reach out to each other, where we wouldn't put up walls between each other or try to stay away from each other, but instead we'd be filled with the Holy Spirit of God creating an unbelievable experience of love for one another. God, may the blessing, may K2 be known as a church. If you go there, you will be blessed because people are highly esteeming you there. And then, Lord, may you do ripple effects through this church, all through this state, through this community, this valley, the state, the nation. May we be a catalyst in bringing your kingdom into heaven, so that, uh, into earth where your will is done. And your will is to bring light and love. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so here's how we're going to close, man. We're going to worship because now, right now, you know what worship is? It's when we bless who? Now see, now you get a chance to bless God. See, now what you get to do is you say, oh God, you are highly steamed. Man, the king, right, just walked in the room. Woo! And so worship is, I get down and I say, oh my God, God, I am so messed up. I need your grace so bad to parent well. I need your grace to be a better husband, a better wife. I need your grace, God. I need your power. I need your love inside of me so that I can help make this a beautiful community of love. And so we lift up right now the one who is love, who is light, who is right and good and perfect. And what happens in worship, you guys, is your spirit joins with his. You move toward him. That's what worship is. And that brings life to your soul. Yes, we're going to give our offering right now. Why? Because when we give our offering to God, what happens? He says, where your treasure is, there your heart goes. So if your treasure goes to God, your heart goes to God, which means your heart gets closer to God, which means it's life-giving for you. So man, let's offer him our resource. Let's offer him our hearts. Let's worship this beautiful, loving God who says, I bless you. Now let's bless him, all right? Let's do it together.